Hello, Your Health is Lit family. We are back again with the team. Today, we're going to be discussing oral health awareness. I'm Donna Williams, the public health queen. I'm Charlotte Walker, the PDMP. And today we have such a special guest. Yes. So with us today is Tiffany Grant. She's a dental hygienist. She's a mom. But most importantly, she's my big sister. <laughs> So we appreciate having her on today. Um, she's doing some really awesome work in um, the oral health field, and we are just excited that she's going to share her knowledge with us today. So for those who don't know, um, Tiffany, what is a dental hygienist? So um, I would say um, a dental hygienist is, um, I like to say that we're oral preventative specialists. We kind of, um, we're kind of like that, um, that, uh, that middle level provider um, in the practice, like commonly in medical, like you have your medical assistant, you have your nurse, you have your doctor. In the dental world, you kind of have your dental assistant and you have your dental hygienist in the dentist. So okay. that's kind of, we're that mid-level provider. Okay. And I know that um, one of the big things that challenge people in dental hygiene is like access to hygiene. What things have you been doing in your practice to um, help kind of bridge that gap? So I think like even not only in my practice, but on a state-based level and a national level, I feel like one of my biggest um, goals is to advocate as, uh, for hygienists as being an integral part of emerging workforce models that include us um, to help increase or boost access to affordable dental services, also to reduce negative impact to dental disease in communities, um, what else, um, decrease transitional barriers to oral health care. Um, I think if we were utilized, and that's our highest scope of care, that a lot of the health, oral health disparities that you see in communities can definitely be reduced. So there's, that's, I feel like that's one of my biggest things that, um, I, that's what I live to do, so. And I know that you, what um, like community organizations do you participate in? Like community organizations, like, um, well, I am part of a few um, professional organizations. I'm a part of the American Dental Hygienist Association. Um, at that level, um, I work with the Leadership Development Committee. I'm also a national delegate for them. ADHA um, on the more like state level. I'm part of the Missouri Dental Hygiene Association. I'm vice president there. I'm part of the Missouri Coalition of Oral Health. Um, and I work at a FQHC, a community health center. So that's pretty much my associations for the most part. And you are about to just <laughs> you make me feel shame. <laughs> She's like, and I do this, and I do that, and I do that, and you have all your babies and take care. Like she like does everything. <laughs> um, so I know that we have talked, and I know that you were you've been working on um, the practice of teledentistry. Can you tell us just yeah. that? So I um, so there's a lot of amazing things that's kind of happening in oral health. Um, I think that 
oral health is such a crisis in America that people are really seeing the need to address it. We see our emergency rooms lined up with people who have dental issues, and there's not a lot that medical professionals, other medical professionals do for them. You know, um, we see in a lot of states that um, they're like the amount of emergency room visits from dental issues, people um, actually dying because of dental abscesses have made national news as of late. So um, people are just starting to kind of realize that their head is connected to their body and we all have to work together to do something about it. So, um, so there's a lot of interesting stuff going on nationwide to kind of figure out how to address this oral health crisis. And um, as a profession, we feel like we are the answer. Uh, um, so like, I believe it's important to stress that, I mean, stress and really encourage hygienists to be innovators and leaders and advocates due to these looming changes in healthcare policy, um, especially with, you know, um, a lot of things that were going on with trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act, which provided um, oral health, um, access to oral health to a lot of states and a lot of different people. I know, like, I was part of legislation here in Missouri when we actually got uh, Medicaid dental benefits for adults, and it made a huge um different in emergency room utilization for dental emergencies, which saves the state millions and millions of dollars. Um, too, I mean, um, yeah, so I, I think that's like one of my biggest things. Um, so teledentistry is a kind of like a emerging model to help kind of um, increase access to basic in, um, health and oral health services and to kind of provide a high quality of care at a cost-effective price and to overall improve population health. Um, and um, we talk about teledentistry, but it, it's under the umbrella of telehealth. So everyone's doing a little bit of it, you know, yeah. in the medical community. Um, so it's, it's using technology to, um, to kind of use the mid-level provider at the highest scope of care to transmit information to a doctor or a dentist or a provider um, at in areas where there's low access to those certain providers. So like for instance, like the nursing home where we have patients that are, you know, bed bound, they don't have access to get out the nursing home regularly. I would go there, I take pictures, I record things using technology um, so the dentist can actually diagnose with the information without actually taking the, the patient out the nursing home or, um, or you know, um, having to take the dentist out to the dentist's office either. So it's a win-win for both parties. That's awesome. Um, and just for our listeners and people who don't know, so oral hygiene is really important. Um, in regards, according to the CDC, um, African Americans, so non-Hispanic Blacks, Hispanics, American Indians, um, we are we have like the poorest oral health. Um, and as Tiffany stated before, you know your mouth is your head is connected to the rest of your body. So I know um, Donna had some questions for you as well um, about oral hygiene. 
So now that we've okay. learned what a dental hygienist does, what is what is the importance of oral health and does it affect more than just your teeth and gums? So um, what do we say about that oral disease and disorders in themselves affect health and well-being of life? So, I mean, when you're talking about well-being life, you're thinking about like quality of life, period. Um, there are significant oral health disparities in various populations, as Charlotte was saying, in the United States. And the crazy thing about what I'm saying is there's many safe and effective measures exist to actually prevent oral disease. Like oral disease is one of the most preventable disease that you can have, but something like having a cavity is the most common disease period in children, you know, but which is totally preventable. Um, what else I would say about that is that um, I think in order to really uh, attack some of, or address some of these things as far, as far as the impact of oral health on overall health, um, it takes kind of like changing perceptions, like what you guys are trying to do regarding oral health. Um, so it becomes as an accepted component of general health or overall health, you know, um, and remove barriers between people and oral services. So um, I think those are some of the things that um, we have to be mindful of. And it kind of makes me think of, because um, you were talking about different populations, social determinants of health, which is like a pillar in public health. Um, there are conditions in which people are born, grow, live, work in that determines the quality of health or life or how certain populations suffer to oral health. And um, so we have to keep that in mind when we're looking at ways to address oral health in communities um, and know that this is why they suffer. It's because certain conditions in which they were born and they live and they work and so, yeah. I know for us um, in practice, we, um, we have, I work in a fairly qualified health center also. And one thing that I really like is that we have all of the services in one place because a lot of these parents, like they catch the bus, they don't have good transportation, they don't have reliable transportation. And so, you know, I had a kiddo when I was doing, you know, doing his oral pharyngeal assessment, he had a cavity so big. I was like, how does your mouth not hurt? <laughs> like what happened inside of your mouth? Um, but I was able to get like take have one of my medical assistants just walk them over to the dentist. Whereas you know where I was working in a rural area before we didn't and it wasn't at a federally qualified health center, I would have to you know just advise the parent to like please take them to the dentist. You know this can lead to X Y Z. Um, and then I also know like with our younger kids, we um, do fluoride applications in the office with their well visits also just as a, another way to try to prevent that and we discuss like teeth brushing and um, the importance of going to the dentist regularly so i mean with that being said i know that um some of the key reasons that people don't visit dentists um the number one is the cost it's very costly to go to the dentist um and uh and then the next one is actually low perceived need. You know, I think like when you're thinking about certain populations, it's like, do I pay my water bill or do I take care of this tooth? And that, that's a really easy decision, right? You know, um, you have to consider that uh, people have a lack of time. 
you know, people are not willing to take off work to go to a dental visit. Um, it's not something that's really, you know, considered a necessity to get into school. Like, you know, you guys, at least, you know, your parents have to get shot. They have to have a yes. physical. They have yes. to have those things. So it, the dental visit is not really necessary. So it uh, some states require it, but a lot of people, I mean, a lot of places don't require um, a dental check. Um, transportation is a big issue, anxiety. There's like, out of all the health professions, I think like we are the most feared. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, difficulty finding dentists that accept Medicaid and people's actual value of dental care. I mean, like, I don't, you probably know too, as well as I know that a parent would say, well, that's just a baby tooth. Well, I'm like, well, that's a baby tooth that will be there till they're 13. So they probably still need it because they're four, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So so those are things that we're we're trying to fight against. (laughs) (laughs) So what are the effects of oral and periodontal disease? So kind of just like I was saying, um, um, I have a really good quote, and let me see if I can find it Okay. here. Um, uh, doling out the cash to get a toothache treated can hurt as much as the tooth itself. Maybe that wasn't the right quote, but uh, <laughs> I kind of talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. Um, I have um, this graph here where it says life in general is less satisfying due to the condition of the mouth. Mm-hmm. And um, when I look at this this um, this graph, um, it makes me understand that there are a lot of physical implications of poor oral health. Mm-hmm. But as providers, we have to look at the cumulative impact on our patient's social and mental status. I have so many p- patients that say. I can't get a job because my mouth looks so bad. Um, they think I'm on drugs because the condition of my mouth. I hate to smile because I, I don't smile because the condition of my mouth. Like, um, I feel kind of like, uh, I feel kind of, you know, I don't, I don't talk to people. I kind of stay away from people. I distance myself from people. Um, they just have poor self-esteem. I was luckily, I, there was this, um, there was this study of, uh, that I was a part of with my FQHC done at, out of the UMKC where they looked at, um, they looked at quality of life, not just from the physical standpoint, but like how kids were actually impacted. How did they feel like their life was based on their teeth? And they asked questions like, do you get made fun of because of your teeth? Mm-hmm. Do you smile before? Does the condition of your teeth make you sad? And you would be so surprised, you know, those kind of things that don't have like a quantitative number, mm-hmm. but more of a qualitative number too, and how it shows that overall that, that, how much of an impact past the physical implications of oral health, how big of an impact were the mental and social implications of poor oral health. It, it can really, it can actually tremendously scar someone, you know, having poor oral health. 
So, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Like, you know, when we, when I think of me and, you know, being a nurse practitioner, I'm always like, well, you get an abscess, the abscess sits in your mouth and then you get septic and you die. <laughs> like, then you get septic and you die. Like, but I mean, I have seen patients admitted um, for an, a tooth abscess and they end up having to be admitted and started on IV antibiotics. That costs you way more money then you're going to get that tooth taken care of. So it definitely is. Yeah. And just think of all the people who showed, show up in the emergency room and all they can get is palliative treatment. Yeah. yeah. And so once the antibiotics are done after two or three weeks, the bubble comes back on their gums and you're back at point A. And so do you continue just getting antibiotics and antibiotics and antibiotics, you know? Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, um, and that's that's where I feel like um, the importance of dental hygienists are. I mean, that's because we, I mean, especially in rural communities and low-income communities, private dentists don't make money there. Our health, the way that our our delivery system is completely different than the medical com um, delivery system. There's so much access in a medical delivery system versus a dental delivery system, there's like hundreds of private dentists to one federal qualified health center. Right. And most of the private dentists, they are not taking Medicaid. Medicaid yeah. or Medicare. Yeah. I run into that a lot yeah. at work of my patients not having the dental care because they're on the Medicare Advantage plan and they can't, they can't find a dentist in their area. So most of them have very poor um, dental hygiene and not going to the dentist. And then- Matter of fact, Medicare on a nation, on, an, um, on a nationwide basis, Medicare does not cover dental benefits whatsoever. So this is something else that as an organization we advocate for We've worked with a lot of like senior or elderly organizations to really advocate for dental benefits to be covered under Medicare, mm -hmm. um, especially because we all know as healthcare providers that that's a growing population that want to keep their teeth yeah. and they need their teeth, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, like people are living longer, they're you know, they're out there living their best life. Living their best life. <laughs> so, like, um, they're, they're, they're actually, they value their teeth because, I mean, they want to eat. Like, you don't understand how many people I've seen in a nursing home. They're like, I want to eat corn and cob. Like, I, I can't eat. I, you know, I, you know, I, I want to eat again, you know, and that's another thing, quality of life. Like, you can't even eat a good, nutritious like what if this patient was a diabetic but it can't eat the right food they can't eat the right foods because they don't have teeth you know yeah so like these are some of those implications that we're talking about as far as poor oral health goes so so i know a lot of times we ask how often should we brush our teeth how often should we floss and even myself, I question myself, like, should I floss every day? Should I just floss if I have food in my teeth? Like, when should I floss? So what are the recommendations for flossing and brushing? So I, I think it varies per population. Normally, we recommend that people brush um, twice a day and floss once a day. Um, but when you're talking about people with health disparities, 
you have to really customize those things to something that works for them. You know, um, a routine that works for them, things that work for them. So like when I'm particularly talking to that population, I'm kind of like, so how often are you brushing? And how can I get you to increase that? I'm not going to say, hey, you know, you should brush twice a day because that's probably not going to work. They're probably not going to do that. You know, they have so much going on in their lives, you know, that that's just not a priority. So how can I um, make them see the, the importance of them or, you know, give them some kind of instruction that works for their lives? You know what I mean? So I never really... Um, when when I'm talking to people who are, you know, homeless, me telling them to brush twice a day, that doesn't mean very much to them, you know what I mean? Or someone who's worried about how they're going to stay in their house. Mm-hmm. Someone who doesn't even have water cut on, you know what I mean? So it's really about, like, really understanding those determinants, really understanding the patient's barriers to care when you're individualizing those kind of instructions for them. So that's something that ideally you know, two two times a day and um, floss once a day, but um, that's not ideal for everyone, so. I like when you said recognizing those social determinants of health because oftentimes we don't recognize the social determinants of health and one person's situation may be different from another person's situation, like the homeless that you use. Where's the homeless guy gonna brush his teeth? He's probably not even thinking about brushing his teeth. He's probably thinking about his last meal. So I think that that was a very great point of bringing up. Okay, so um, what do you see as the biggest struggles like in the African-American community um, when it comes to oral health? Well, I think like some of those things that I talked about before, perceived value of care. um, um, Unfortunately, I I would say that's probably the, the most... I sometimes I feel like um, African American. It's not that they have access per se. It's just like they just don't value, <laughs> or they're not educated <laughs> enough on you know um, the value of having good oral health. You know, like you don't know how many people are surprised when they say that you know. Um, if you have a systemic disease, you know, like that periodontal disease can antagonize it, you know what I mean? Like if you have periodontal disease, it can raise your blood sugar and make your diabetes uncontrolled. They're like, for real? I'm like, yeah, for real. Yeah. So, um, so like, um, they don't understand when they say, you know, um, when you have gingivitis, that's an inflammatory response that's going on in your body and it's causing the destruction of your your bone and gums like they don't understand that uh, that that blood that's rotating through your body is pulling all that bacteria out of your mouth and through your body and it's just making you chronically sicker and it's funny i'm saying i'm going to do something as easy as clean your teeth right because people think oh they just clean teeth but literally once i clean your teeth and I get rid of that bacterial load that's under those gums, and your immune system is like, wow. Oh. And you start to feel so much better. Yeah. Like, just generally, you feel better, right. like, everywhere. You know what I mean? You're not, you don't feel as sick, you know. Um, and 
And um, yeah, and that's one of the most gratifying things that I do. As much as people simplify that, you know, cleaning, cleaning teeth, it really does make such an impact on the overall health. I have patients that come to me and say, oh, I just feel so much better after you clean my teeth. You know, did it suck when I did it? Yeah. But (laughs) the the impact, the impact is so, it's so amazing that something like that can just have some such an impact on overall health. So um, I, I, you know, so um, it's just like, it doesn't seem serious enough to lose a tooth. Right. Like I, like I, like I talk to people who just say, I just went and got my teeth pulled. I'm like, what? You need those teeth? Why are you just like, get yeah. your teeth pulled? Yes, take them. You know take what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm like, because dentures you, are expensive. I'm like, yeah, you need those teeth. Not even like dentures, but dentures don't have the full functionality of your actual tooth. Right. They don't work the same. They they are not the same. Right. You know, like you it it doesn't it's like you lose almost sixty seven percent of functionality in your mouth once you have a denture. Wow. Like oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like sixty yeah. percent. Yeah, you're not you're not working with the same set of tools, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like so like I mean there's nothing like your teeth, you know? Right. And people tell me, well, I got these back teeth pulled and now I can't eat on one side, you know? I can't, you know, I don't talk the same. I don't look the same. My teeth are crowding, you know? I can't eat a pork steak, you know? We're from St. Louis, everyone likes pork steaks. Pork steaks. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many people I tell people. I'm like, if you get that tooth pulled, no more pork sticks for you. And that actually like really resonates. So with it like, oh. <laughs> it's something it's something about Missouri and pork steaks, you know? Like so like uh, that that's something that they can understand. Like, you know, but I you know, um it's just trying to get them to understand the value of it, you know. Like I there's a lot of parents who don't value the baby teeth. Yeah. And their and their and their function. They have huge function. Um, Can you talk a little a lot bit more of, about that and like educate our listeners that that may not know the functionality of baby teeth? Yeah, so baby teeth are placeholders for adult teeth. So once you start to lose them, like for instance, like um, as the baby tooth is sitting there, the adult tooth is kind of pushing down uses the the baby tooth as a guide to go down into the mouth. So when you lose those guides, you know, that's when you start to get a lot of uh, misalignment. The teeth don't really know where to go. They take longer to come down because they kind of have a working relationship for the, the adult teeth to even come down into the mouth. Hmm. So when you lose those too early, then it's it's like a lost tooth. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's not really it's not really sure what to do or where to go and when to come out, you know, so they're they're they need each other. Not only that, um um just as far as like kids and the nature of kids period, like they talk they yeah. you know, as far as self esteem goes yeah. and people being bullies and things like that. Um like kids get made fun of probably 
big teeth teeth are probably yeah. a big reason kids be made yeah. fun of. I know, you know for I mean? me, so like I lost you were there. I lost my teeth, um, my baby teeth, my front teeth, Donna, I lost them like traumatically. So we were at a like a thing on base and this guy mm-hmm. threw me a frisbee and my mouth caught it. And so I lost my baby teeth. <laughs> yeah, sorry. My two my teeth grew back in with a gap. Mm-hmm. Girl. Girl. Yeah. I and people, um, really like I know my like my husband my husband went through a lot of bullying because his teeth too. I mean, it's just one of those things that kind of can like make or break you and really have a long term impact on you. Um also too um, there's a lot of research and studies that show how, like, how, how much kids miss school due to tooth pain, you know, um, how how much poor oral health impacts kids in school not being able to focus, um, not being able to pay attention because of tooth pain, um, because their mouth hurts. They miss school because of tooth pain. Like, we got to do better, you know, we we really have to do better. Especially because, like I said, I don't, I don't know, because um, in our communities we do have Medicaid providers, probably more than rural communities and urban communities, I would say, and we just don't make it a priority to see them. We almost take it for granted. Right. Yeah. And I know, like I have, um, when we were talking about education, and I know that that plays a big role, which is a lot of the reason why you know we started. Um, the Your Health is Lit program to promote health literacy because even in doing the research for you know, oral hygiene, um, the CDC also said that adults that are aged 35 to 45 years that have less than a high school education um, experience untreated tooth decay nearly three times that of an adult with at least some college education. So having that literacy and trying to bridge that gap um, for people who may not have been able to go to college and or even finish high school, they're more at risk for um, for like dental like dental decay. I was like, what? <laughs> what? So the health literacy issue doesn't just. I guess I was a little ignorant to the fact that it doesn't just impact you know my patients coming in that don't know how to manage their hypertension. You know that mom that the kid kept coming in for asthma attacks and she can't read. She can't read the asthma action plan. So she's trying to memorize everything and we can't figure out why, you know, or what's going on. And I just didn't realize how much education also impacted your dental hygiene as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. And I, I don't think it's just reading either. I think it's just like how you actually process information period. Like, how you're able to understand basic knowledge, you know, of what's going on in oral health. Like, like if I tell a patient that they have an abscess, how much do they really understand the severity of that? And that's part of health literacy, you know what I mean? Like, how are they processing what I'm saying to them? I mean, do they really understand? Is that knowledge transferring to them in a way that they understand what I'm trying to say? Not just like if they can read it, but can can you understand what I'm saying right. to you? You know, and and um, and and that's why kind of like what Donna was saying, like these social determinants and meeting patients where they are mm-hmm. is so imp- and so important. You know, um, and like you said, because of education reasons and different things like that, you really have to. And sometimes you can feel like um, 
a dental hygienist slash social worker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You understand how many times, but you really have to delve in into these patients' lives to really make an impact in them. And if you don't take the time to do that, then you do them an extreme disservice. You might as well just keep it to yourself. I mean, like, because, I mean, you, you have to take the time to do that. Like, you absolutely do. It's, 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 it should be a standard of care, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so I, I mean, I know you kind of already touched on this, um, but what efforts are being made um, to make dental services more available? Or what things can we do, you know, in our roles, like me, you know, working in pediatrics or um, Donna working um, over the phone as a community health education specialist, what things, you know, within the healthcare system can we do to assist you in providing better education or more thorough health education to um, these patients? So, like, one of the things that I really believe in is, like, integration across medical services. Like, um, I think sometimes, unfortunately, medical providers don't even really value dentistry, you know, to some degree, unfortunately. Like, I know that um, I was working as part of an integration grant within my federal qualified health center where I was working in primary care practice, but we had so many, um, we had so many like nurse practitioners that I would encounter that just did not feel comfortable looking inside a mouth. Like they just did not want to do it, you know? And that's why I felt like it was important for me to be in practice because obviously that doesn't bother me. I know how to do it. I'm comfortable to do it. I have the education to do it, you know? But many people are just not comfortable like looking in the mouth and taking a look, you know? Um, so, I think like educating, um, utilizing people like me more in your practices, especially when you really don't feel comfortable doing it yourself, you know, Um, you're like, I don't know if that's candidiasis or like um, milk. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't know. It's fresh. I'm like, yeah, let me let me help you. Let me see if it wipes off. No, it doesn't wipe off. You got candidiasis. You know what I mean? They don't even want to put their hand in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm like, you guys do way worse stuff than we do. So, <laughs> like, I hate when I'm there and they have to get all their uh, quotas done for doing um, the prostate stuff and there's bags of poop in the bathroom <laughs> so I'm like and you're scared I'm like you're scared to uh look in the mouth and you guys are checking stool okay okay <laughs> so, yeah that makes no so so I just think um being more innovative and um I definitely obviously advocate for increased use of dental hygienists um to promote access if you can't do it we will so yeah. um um also um um integration like i said uh um um using your workforce efficiently so that's using hygienists again um there's a um let's see here um i don't know i i just think like there's a lot of emerging workforce models that kind of increase access. Um, I 
Do you feel like we should do more education and more integrated practices, especially amongst federal, federal qualified health centers? Yeah. And even though we're in the same building, doesn't mean we're exactly working together because like we're, we were connected in federal, federal qualified health centers and we still had trouble getting referrals like down a hallway. You what? know what I mean? Yeah. I and, and, the, and it happens, unfortunately, just because people won't, have the patient open their mouth and look in there and see what's going on you know what I mean and like I understand too because like you guys have like 15 minute appointments and you know the person's in there telling you their whole life story you know it's really it's really you know (laughs) it can be really tough like managing that and taking the time to look in the mouth but it's just such a critical thing you know what I mean I and I always recommend, like, I, I always ask when I have a kid, especially if they're a little business, like, when was the last time you went to the dentist? You should be going to the dentist at least every six months. You know we have a dental services down the hallway. Let's make you an appointment. And so I've kind of, even if I don't get in and do a full exam, I do try to make it a part of my spiel to say, have you been to the dentist in the last six months? If not, let's go ahead and go because you don't need X, Y, and happening and I think something that you know we're talking about oral health um, I know we have not touched on um, like oral cancer like people are people do die from like oral cancer um, there was a um, according to the CDC the five-year survival rate for oral cancer among black men um, is a lot less than whites. So black men, they survive about 36% of the time versus um, their counterparts, which survive about 61% of the time when they have their survival. And like like there's been this recent kind of like thing with HPV and its relation to oral cancer. And you know, I'm always like, especially my young patients, I'm like, um, in the, about, saying these really dwelling into people's lives. I'm like, are you drinking? Are you having risky sexual behaviors? Because <laughs> then I'll send you to your primary care doctor so you can get checked for HPV. Like, yes, absolutely. I say that and I have those very blunt conversations with them. You know what I mean? Like, because, you know, especially if I see, you know, something in their mouth, you know, that looks like leukoplakia or something, you know what I mean? I'm like, so how often do you drink? How many sexual partners do you have? Like, it's important to really kind of dwell into those things. And as far as to what you guys can do, these are some things that um, I think are drivers for increasing access to oral health. Um, one is that we need to use the workforce more, more efficiently, like your, your dental hygienist. I think demographics within our population, I mean, like in, within our provider population, we need more diversity yeah. in our pop, in the healthcare population, Ra- racial, ethnic health, I mean, to kind of address, because we're more familiar with these communities and their needs, you know, mm-hmm. um, change in public policy as far as the Affordable Care Act. If you are in public health or health literacy or whatever, you need to you need to be at your state capitol lobbying for your state to have Affordable Care Act or access insurance-wise to oral health or to, to, to health access, period. Right. Like, you should be there. Um, you should be talking to your congressman. You should be talking to your state representatives. Um, changes in insurance. We want more people uh, 
insured by Medicaid in. We want insurance through Medicare too. Um, find out more creative ways for people with limited resources to pay, like grants. Write a grant. Like I know our dentist wrote a grant where we would give vouchers to patients who just could not get insured to get dental treatment. That's awesome. Got to think outside. Yeah, think outside the box. Um, changing focus from treatment to disease prevention. You yes. know, uh, that's another. That's that's too. Like, if you're not comfortable looking inside the mouth as a medical provider, let's talk about prevention. You know, let's talk about, have you visited, you, I mean, you can at least ask the question, have you visited your dentist this year? It's really easy, you know. Um, technology, such as teledentistry, we have um, new, like, things like interim therapeutic restorations, and silverdamide fluoride, those are things that we're using to kind of, like, reduce and reduce decay are uh, um, as a prevention approach, um, consumer demand for alternative providers. And I know you guys can definitely understand this battle because you guys fought to be nurse practitioners. We have oh, yeah. people that are fighting, we have people, dental hygienists that are fighting to be like dental therapists and dental practitioners too. So we're, we're looking, we're looking, we're, we're advocating for those kind of things. And um, also, too, we have to also think about our population, like, generational-wise, like, yeah. how they want to receive care, um, their attitude and behaviors towards care. Like, they want it their way right away. They want it to come to them. They want it to be convenient. Right. So a lot of mobile, like, mobile clinics. I work in mobile dentistry because it's very convenient for for parents for me to be at a school versus them taking their child out of the school to take them to an appointment, right. Right. fine, then I'm there, you know? So I think um, these are all the things that we kind of need to have in mind, you know, when we're looking at how to increase access and what we all can do to try to increase access. And that too means, you know, when we're advocating for things that we work together as associations, like, the nurses association working with the dental hygiene association if if something comes up threatening funding for our patients you know we have yeah. to work together right yeah yeah that's so awesome i we definitely appreciate you um coming and just sharing your knowledge there was so much i'm sure we could like talk about about this all day like i didn't know that drinking alcohol could cause oral cancer i was like that makes <laughs> I was like, that, like that legit makes sense. Whenever I think of oral cancer, I think of smoke. Um, so just even, you know, having a little bit more of that knowledge for myself. Um, and like I said, I definitely, I always, I tell my patients too. I was like, well, my sister's a dental hygienist, and she would not be pleased with me if I didn't ask you if you were going to the. How often you were going? Are you brushing your teeth twice? And I tell them like, you brushing your teeth twice a day we recommend it and I have parents go what yeah and so then I explain I always tell them I say you know all the the food that you eat all day I said the bacteria wait for you to go to sleep at night and then they turn up in your mouth and you get a cavity <laughs> and the kids are always like what I was like so unless you want bacteria having a party on your lunch make sure you brush your teeth in the morning and before bed um yeah so just having those kinds of conversations so I definitely appreciate you coming on, especially because you have a baby soon. So I know it's to get you to tight to kind of get you in. So we appreciate your time. 
And Donna, I don't know if you have um, anything else to add. No, it was a good session. I think um, oral health is something that is not talked about a lot. I know it's it not is about enough at all. a big public health issue. So I definitely um, think that this was a great session and I actually learned a lot from this yeah. session. Yeah. So yeah. even we are learning with you guys. Yes, yes, this is why I love this because we're learning and I can only imagine, you know, our our population and the people that we're trying to reach how much information this is for them so we definitely appreciate you coming on and speaking with us and we look forward to having you on again soon thank you guys thank you for having me absolutely Thanks. welcome bye-bye